Can we turn to the book of Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7? Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 7. With the help of the Lord today, we will talk about the doctrine of holiness. Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 7 says, Sanctify yourselves therefore, and be ye holy. For I am the Lord your God. Can we say amen? And now let's turn to the book of First Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 16 says, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Amen. So in this Bible study, I, I want to divide the subject into three parts. And the first part, let us call it the holiness encounter. The holiness encounter. Praise God. So let's begin with the definition of the word holy to begin with. The Hebrew word for holy is kadosh. Kadosh. Now, according to James Strong, this word or this term is defined in this manner. James Strong says, to be holy is to consecrate, to sanctify, to prepare, to dedicate, to be hallowed, to be holy, to be separate. Praise God. So when we put together all these terms, we will be approaching the term Hadosh in the Bible. Now, there was a German theologian by the name of Rudolf Otto. He lived between 1869 and 1937. And I always remember his definition and his um, discussion of this term holy. The man was really onto something. And clearly he knew something about the holiness of God. Because when I read his book many, many years ago, the first thing he wrote in his book is, if a person has never had an experience of holiness where you felt terror, but not a terror which frightens you oppressively, not a terror which exploits you and makes you just cower, but a terror which makes you love God, to be in awe of God, to want to separate yourself from sin, to want to be addicted to God and his ways, to be separated from bad things, he said, if you don't know such an experience, he said, you don't, don't read this book. He said, because I can't talk to you. <laughs> Hallelujah. What a wonderful way to introduce the topic of holiness. Amen. He said, it is irrational. It doesn't make sense. Because what man falls down, covers himself or a woman and says, wow, I am overwhelmed. This is a dreadful place. This is what Jacob said, by the way, a dreadful place. And yet, you want to leave everything to be with this. Does that make sense? No. 
So Rudolf Otto said, if you haven't had such an experience, I, I can't help you. <laughs> Pray. First, go and get such an experience. It's called holiness. Holiness, praise God. That's why I said I can't teach about holiness. I can tell you what we have experienced. I can tell you what the people in the Bible have experienced. But you must go to Jesus and get this experience yourself. Otherwise, we can't uh, tell you, please, uh, don't wear uh, the clothes of a woman. Woman, don't wear the clothes of a man. Please remove your jewelry. It doesn't make sense. But let God meet you. Let him be transfigured before you. And I'm telling you, those that jewelry will come down real fast. Hallelujah. That sandal will come off really quickly, Moses. Amen. Jacob, who never prayed, will build an altar and pour oil upon it. And say, wow, this is Bethel. This is the house of God. This is a holy place. I have met the holy God. I feel holy. Amen. <laughs> May God give us holiness. May we meet the God who is holy. And then you will be holy. Praise God. But you see, this is the term that Rudolf Otto used. And I'm putting it in the text. In Latin, he called it mysterium tremendum et fascinus. What this means is, in simple English, the tremendous and fascinating mystery of holiness. Because when you meet God, this is what you will feel. Somebody says, what is holiness? Please don't tell them it's about removing this or removing that. Say, it's about encountering the Holy God. It is, it is about experiencing God himself, Jesus himself, he is the source of all holiness. Amen. Let me approach the topic of holiness from this perspective. Amen. You see, he, Rod Rudolf Otto, described this as an overwhelming power, which is holy and totally different and other to this world. Amen. What a beautiful way to describe it. He said, when a person experiences holiness, it is something completely other. You have never had such an experience before. It's, a, it's an otherworldly phenomenon. Hallelujah. You know, I, I sometimes see uh, some do documentaries that talk about people who experience aliens. You know, often when I see it, I say, I, I wish they experienced Jesus. Amen. <laughs> These aliens uh, don't make anybody holy. They don't give them peace. They don't uh, go around saying, oh, I've met an alien. Let me preach about aliens. Aliens have power to change your life. I've never heard one person preach this way about aliens. But I know people who have had experiences with Jesus, including me who begin to say, I have met the God who is holy, who is completely different. Everybody in this world needs this experience. Amen. It will change you. It's so beautiful. I can't, I can't describe it, but I want you to have this experience. Hallelujah. You see, 
Rudolf Otto said, when confronted with God's holiness, a human being cowers with a sense of holy awe and terror. In his book called Das Heilige from 1917, which means the sacred, the holy, this is a citation from him. He said, it is like nothing human or cosmic. Confronted with it, man senses his profound nothingness, feels that he is only a creature, or in the words in which Abraham addressed the Lord, is but dust and ashes, Genesis 18.27. What a beautiful statement. There is nothing, he said, that compares to holiness. When you meet God, you will know you are nothing. Which means whatever jewelry or outward beauty or makeup, or you are going to remove it. Come on. Praise God. Because you will realize how great he is, how wonderful he is. He is our jewelry, brothers and sisters. We don't need jewelry. You know, the less people know Jesus, the more the jewelry and the clothing and apparel and tattoos, and the more they want to make themselves glorious. But the more you know him, the more like John the Baptist, you are holy. John the Baptist said he must increase. I must decrease. May Jesus make us holy because sometimes we tell people remove this, remove this. And you know, how can they remove it when they themselves are magnified? They themselves are great. If a person is telling himself how great thou art, of course he's going to put all kinds of jewelry and makeup because they are great. But if God is the one who confronts them and Jesus is great and elevated, if he is high and lifted up, like Isaiah when he saw God high and lifted up in the temple, what happened? Immediately he said, ah, woe is me. Amen. Not great is me. Give me some more jewelry. Give me some more bling. Give me some more makeup. No. You will realize woe unto me. Holiness is to see Jesus high and lifted and to see yourself as dust and ashes, as nothing. That's why people don't remove things that they should remove. And you can't just preach to them. If you have to preach there, that means there is no holiness. You are just giving them the law. Thou shalt remove your jewelry. Thou shall remove this. You can, the moment you stop preaching, it will go back on again. Let them meet Jesus. Bring them to a place where they will see Jesus high and lifted up. Bring Isaiah to the temple. Bring Peter, James, and John to the high mountain. Hallelujah. Bring Jacob to Bethel. And God will take care of the rest. Hallelujah. He will reveal himself. Praise God. This is holiness. That is how we should preach to people about holiness. Amen. Otherwise, they don't understand what we are saying. They don't know why. what's wrong. If I put on this or put on that. Let them see Jesus. Jesus will make them remove that which they need to remove. Amen. But we are going ahead of ourselves. Praise God. Can we just lift up our hands? Let's say God is holy. 
Say, Jesus, encounter me at Bethel. Jesus, hallelujah. May I meet you at a special place. May I be overwhelmed and overpowered by your holiness. Be elevated. Be magnified. Be transfigured. Hallelujah. Let me have this profound experience with you. And then shall I know, shall I see acutely my own nothingness, my own sense of vanity. Ah, oh, hallelujah. What a blessed place that place is. Amen. To see him high and lifted up. Praise God. Amen. May Jesus take us to such a place every day. Every day. I, my, all I can do today is preach to take you to such a place. But only Jesus can decide to meet you. And I was about to say blast us with his holiness. But that's what we really need. We need to be exposed. Amen. To the full radiation of the holiness of Jesus. To put it that way. Amen. Blast me, Jesus, with your holiness. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. I already feel something emanating from him into me in Jesus' name. So let's take an example. Uh, let's go to the book of Genesis chapter 28 and verse 17. Because this definition of Rudolf Otto, among others, was gleaned from these kinds of scriptures. He, he was a Bible reader. He was a theologian. He studied holiness from the Bible and came to the conclusion, this, this is holiness. You see, the Bible says in Genesis 28 and verse 17, speaking about Jacob, it says, He was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Praise God. Amen. So please understand. Uh, I don't know if the scriptures are being put in the text here. But this was from Genesis chapter 28 and verse 17. Have a good look at it. Because what the uh, Bible writer is telling us is that Jacob. You remember Jacob? You remember the man's, the guy's name itself? was not a blessed name. It meant uh, supplanter, the one who cheats. You know, sometimes I wonder why do parents give their children such names? God bless Isaac. God bless Rebecca. They are holy people of God. But uh, uh, the guy did not start life <laughs> with a blessing. He started it with a bad name. And sure enough, he lived up to his name. He kept cheating everybody. He left. He was running zigzag throughout his life. But you know what saved Jacob? Say Bethel. Say the holiness of God. Amen. His father, grandfather Abraham prayed at Bethel. I'm sure he prayed for his grandson. He prayed for his children at Bethel. He built an altar. And he must have prayed to God at Bethel and said, When my children are desperate. When my children are confused, when my children forget you, oh my God, remember my prayer. Ah, oh, thank God for the prayers of grandfathers. Thank God for the prayers of fathers and mothers. Amen. They have power. One day, the altar where that you built is where God will stop and meet your grandson, your granddaughter. This is what happened with Abraham. Abraham built an altar at Bethel. 
And one day his grandson, who was huffing and puffing in sin, and was tired, no mother, no father, mama's little boy is lost in the desert. For the first time in his life, he has no home to go to. He lies down in the middle of the cold desert at night. He has a stone for his pillow. But thank God, even in such moments, he did not know. He laid his head to rest at the same place where Abraham built an altar to God. May our children lie down on our prayers. May our children lie down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Upon the prayers of Abraham, the prayers of their mothers and fathers. When he thought he's lost, there's nobody with him. How mistaken he was. He lay, he lay down to sleep and he slept well on the prayers of his father Abraham. And he woke up with a startle. Our prayers will shock our children into holiness. May our prayers shock our children into holiness. He said, what a place is this? Of all the places I could have chosen to sleep on the way to Haran, how did I choose this place? <laughs> Amen. Let Jesus choose your hotel, brother. Let Jesus choose your your place of dwelling, your motel in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. He could have slept on a snake or a scorpion, but he slept on the prayers of Abraham. Hallelujah. And when he woke up, he's no longer the same guy. He said, this is Bethel. I'm going to build an altar. Hallelujah. He didn't pray before that time. He was cheating and, you know, drinking soup and uh, all kinds of funny things, putting goat skin upon himself. I never heard him pray, but now, because the holiness of God met him. Ah, oh, we desperately need to pray that the Jesus will meet people in his holiness and his strength and his power. Hallelujah. And when he woke up, the man realized he something happened here. Do you know, actually, from that time, Jacob was not cheating anybody. He was from now, from that time, cheated by other people like Laban. But God was with him. Praise God. Amen. Don't worry if people will cheat you. First go to Bethel. Become holy. God will deal with them. Praise God. Amen. So this is what Jacob said. He said, this place is dreadful. Dreadful in the Hebrew does not mean as we think in English, horrible. No. You see, this is what Rudolf Otto is saying. Holiness is when you experience God, you get shocked. You can't talk. You have been blasted with something out of this world. Amen. God is the most powerful being in the universe. Amen. People today want to get all kinds of experiences. They travel to Mount Everest. When I was in Nepal, they told me, do you want to see Mount Everest? I tell me, you expect me, look at me, to climb Mount Everest? You want me to die or what? He said, no, we'll, we'll take you in a helicopter and you can climb, you know, we'll... Wow, helicopter up here. Yeah. How much does that cost? Uh, only $1,000 for you. <laughs> only $1,000 for you. I said, listen, even if I had $1,000, I am not interested to see Mount Everest with a helicopter. Uh, if you are taking me to meet Jesus, I'll pay anything. Hallelujah. Mount Everest is not Jesus. Amen. You know, people are willing to do anything. I told him, do you have many people? He said, every day we are full. 
People will do anything for experiences, to experience what God created. But how many people are willing to do anything to experience the God who made Mount Everest? The God, hallelujah, who made the heavens and the earth and the planets and the galaxies. What are we willing to do to experience him? Praise God. Ah, I want to experience Jesus. Praise Jesus. I will pay anything it costs. Hallelujah. You see, Jacob experienced God. And he got up from that place full of awe. That's a good word. Awe. Awe is when you basically, you know, beyond respect. You are overwhelmed. You are in awe. You fall down. Cover your face. You are filled with holiness. You don't want to leave Jesus. You want to hold his feet. One time I was praying not long ago and I felt the presence of Jesus and his holiness so much. I just began to cry and I'm as if I'm holding his feet and just kissing his feet. Kissing, kissing, kissing. Hallelujah. How do I explain that to you? That's why Rudolph said, if you haven't had such an experience, you better not read this book. You see, for those who know holiness, you know what I'm talking about. Holiness, it is really, you know, for us, everything. It is the experience which makes us so in love with Jesus that year after year, we can't stop worshiping him. We can't stop loving him. He is so real to us. His presence, his power is so wonderful. That's why the Bible says his name shall be called wonderful. And we say it's wonderful. You know, holiness is beautiful. When we talk about Jesus, we can't help smiling. Our face lights up because that's what we feel. Amen. We don't feel depression. Sorry. We feel the opposite. Joy. That's why we love our faith. It's everything for us. It's the strength. It's the joy. It's the force that we have. Amen. Praise God. Which keeps us going year after year. Amen. So, may God give you holiness. May you meet the Holy God. May he impart his holiness upon us. May he dwell upon us. Imagine, we're going to talk about this. But first we need to talk about what holiness is. Because very often what we are talking about when we mean holiness is not holiness. We are talking about the results of holiness. When we say remove this, remove that. A person who has not experienced the holy God, you can't tell them to remove anything. Because they'll, want, they'll say, why? If somebody has to say why, they haven't even experienced the Holy God. <laughs> but you know, I'll tell you, when I first saw Jesus, after a little while, I realized I'm not interested in the fashions of this world. I took all my audio cassettes. So, you know, I'm beginning to become quite old when I mention audio cassettes. Some young people say, what is that? <laughs> Today they have, uh, I don't know what they even have, Spotify. What is it? MP3, MP4? I have no clue. I stopped falling a long time ago. The, the pace is too fast for me to keep up. Hallelujah. So I only know in the 80s we had something called a Walkman. You know, those who, who know what a Walkman is, give us the thumbs up. You remember yeah. Sony? Sony created a brand. Uh, Sony became famous just because of the Walkman back then in the early 80s. Yes. So 
uh, when I tell people today, Walkman, they look at it like you belong in a museum. Uh, yes, I belong in a museum. But let me tell you, we had Walkmans, we had cassettes. And I was hearing all kinds of worldly music. And all your Lionel Richie's and Michael Jackson's and Stevie Wonder's and these kind of... And your Phil Collins and whatever, your uh, Kenny Rogers. And lo and behold, your bring Bruce Springsteen's. Lo and behold, Jesus encounters me. What do you think happens? I didn't go to a church. Nobody told me, don't listen to this music. By God's spirit, his holiness, that encounter made me feel uncomfortable with this music. I don't want to hear this. If I try to hear, it's like, uh, what happened? I, I don't feel, I don't get the same pleasure. You see? Why? Because now the holy God is with me. Amen. And I assure you, Jesus doesn't listen to Michael Jackson. Jesus doesn't listen to your Beyonce's or whatever, your Taylor Swift or whoever is around. Jesus doesn't listen to such music. Jesus listens to worship music. Amen. Jesus listens to praise music. He can listen to that music with you. Hallelujah. So, holiness is something you feel. The Spirit of the Lord will guide you to tell you uh, that's not good for you. Why do you want to get people to be attracted to your flesh? Your flesh will go back to the dust. Is there anybody who would put jewelry on the dust? Does it make sense to put jewelry on the dust? Have you put a diamond on the dust? That's what we're doing when we hang diamonds and gold upon our bodies. For what? That is so, you know, it's, it's a, a very incongruous, it's, it's a jarring, a strange picture, isn't it? Put jewelry on the dust. We need to put, give the jewelry to Jesus. Amen. It belongs to him. He is beautiful. He is wonderful. Hallelujah. The silver is mine. The gold is mine. God said, Amen. Praise God. So let's, we'll talk more about this, but let's come. Let's summarize the first part. I said the first, in the first instance, I talked about what holiness is. It's an encounter. Somebody say it's an encounter. That means you meet God. The meeting is a violent one. It shocks you. You wake up and you are shocked. You open your eyes and you say, oh my goodness, what happened? This is a, a dreadful place. This is a, I'm shaken, but I feel so wonderful. I feel clean. I feel pure. What happened? You received the Holy Ghost. That's what happened. Congratulations. Hallelujah. You are now the temple of God. You are the tabernacle of God. Hallelujah. God dwells in you. That's why you are in shock and awe. Amen. Praise God. May Jesus shock and awe all of us. May Jesus, amen, encounter us at Bethel, change us forever. Hallelujah. Let me continue. So, to summarize, God is the source of all holiness. Humans cannot know or understand holiness until God himself manifests himself to us, as he did with Beth, uh, Jacob at Bethel. 
the holiness experience will leave us thoroughly shaken with awe, reverence, and a godly fear. Remember this, I'll repeat it again. The holy fear of God is not oppressive. It is not exploitative. God will not exploit you and misuse you. But what the holiness of God does is it instills a profound love in us, healing and dedication to God. So holiness, in the words of Otto Rudolf, is a tremendous and fascinating mystery for those who experience the holiness of God. So given the above, it stands to reason that it is difficult to teach holiness because it is an encounter. It is not an abstract concept that we can int approach intellectually, but it is an experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me remind you, and this is quite a sobering thought. Jacob lived with Isaac, who in turn lived with Abraham, and yet Jacob did not know what holiness was until he encountered God at Bethel. We say, why? But he grew up with Isaac. Isaac is a prophet. He's the holy man of God. Let me tell you, just because our children may grow up with us in our homes doesn't mean that they will be holy. But thank God for the prayers of Abraham and Isaac, because it was those prayers that encountered Jacob at Bethel and made him holy and changed him. So, when you see your children not listening, not following the ways of God, let's not stop praying for them. Amen. Peter, James, and John were also filled with this awe and dread of holiness when the Lord was transfigured before them on the mountain. You remember that? Let's go to Matthew 17 and verse 6. Matthew chapter 17 and verse 6. The Bible says, when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were so afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. Oh, praise God. Do you see, brothers and sisters, same experience as at Bethel. Jesus is the God of Bethel. Jesus is Jehovah manifested in the flesh. And he took them up to the mountain to show them that he is indeed Jehovah manifested in the flesh. And he began to reveal the glory that is in him. And what happened? The apostles fell down flat. They were shaken. They had the encounter. Somebody say the holy encounter. Ah, oh, Jesus, take me to the mountain. A Christian cannot really be a Christian, in my opinion, unless you have the holy encounter. What do I mean by that? The holy encounter is when you are filled with the Holy Ghost. See, Peter, James, and John had this encounter, but they were still not holy. On the day of Pentecost, the same Jesus came, stones of fire. He occupied them. They were rolling on the ground. He conquered their bodies, their tongues, their minds, their language. Hallelujah. People said they were drunk. They were behaving like drunk people. That's the encounter. That is holiness. Holiness. Kadosh. Kadosh, 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 the seraphim was shouting in heaven. What will you say to God when you come near him? I think we will only be closing our eyes and saying, Kadosh, 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 hallelujah, man. Holy, 
you will feel his holiness so profoundly that you can't say anything else. Only enjoy his holiness. Be immersed in his holiness. Oh, hallelujah. Swallowed up in his holiness. Amen. I can't wait to come before the throne of Jesus and shout, Kadosh, 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 hallelujah. Let's go to the second part of this Bible study. And the second part is about the tabernacle and the Holy of Holies. The tabernacle, say with me, the tabernacle and the Holy of Holies. If you want to understand the holiness of God, I have come to this understanding that God was trying to teach the children of Israel and the church about holiness through the tabernacle. Let me explain. You see, let's first begin with the scripture. Exodus chapter 26 and verse 33. Exodus chapter 26 and verse 33. The Bible says, God commanded Moses and said, Thou shall hang up the veil under the hatches that thou mayest bring in thither within the veil the ark of the testimony and the veil shall divide unto you between the holy place and the most holy. Wow. Let's look at this very carefully. Listen, it was not Moses or human beings who decided to create something called the Holy of Holies. It is God who gave the command. Please understand that in the tabernacle, God seemed to have rooms divided and uh, structured according to holiness. It may sound strange, but that is what happened. The innermost chamber was called the Holy of Holies, or as it's written here, the holiest place. Amen? See, the holy place and the most holy place. Can we repeat that? The holy place and the most holy. Praise God. So, when we remember the layout of the temple, and just think about the model of the tabernacle in the wilderness. What made the tabernacle holy was the Shekhinah, or the Shekinah presence of God, dwelling on the mercy seat atop the, tabernacle, the, the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. We know that. Yeah? So, what happened is once the glory of God came into the Holy of Holies on top of the Ark of the Covenant, that place became the most holy place on the face of the earth. Let me repeat that. On the face of the earth. There was no place more holy than that place. Brothers and sisters, I have news for you. When you receive the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Jesus, you, hallelujah, me and all who receive the Holy Ghost, we all become the Holy of Holies because Jesus himself is dwelling in us. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. So we are now the mobile tabernacles of God. We are moving around. Amen. Praise God. So understand that from there, from the tabernacle, the holy, most holy place, the holiness of God 
radiated outward towards the rest of the tabernacle. Amen. To put it simply, if there is no presence of God, there is no holiness. So similarly, when the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ dwells in us, our inner man becomes the innermost chamber, the holiest place, if you will, because the Lord God Almighty Jesus himself dwells in us. Hallelujah. That is why in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, the Apostle Paul says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Ah, oh, somebody say, I am the temple of God. I can't believe it, but it's true. Me, who am I? I'm a man of unclean lips, Isaiah said. Woe unto me, I live in the midst of an unclean people. Who can argue with God? He chose you and me as his tabernacle. He rejects tabernacles of stone and cloth with ropes and tassels, etc. No, we are the temple of God. Hallelujah. And Paul said the temple of God is holy. So in other words, brothers and sisters, the holy of holies, which is our inner man, is the ground zero or the epicenter of holiness. Because that is where the glory of God descended when you received the Holy Ghost and remained. And that's why I said you and I are now the mobile temples of the Holy Ghost. If you did not perceive yourself in this manner, I plead with you. I implore you in Jesus' name. Begin to understand what God has done. That is if you have the Holy Ghost. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, we prayed last week, and I would challenge you to keep praying. God gave a promise on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2.38. Once you have repented and, baptized and are baptized in the name of Jesus, it's your birthright to receive the Holy Ghost. Can a child be born without a spirit? Can a child be born without breathing? Then the child is death. What kind of birth is that? We can tell Jesus, Jesus, I once prayed years ago to the Lord and said, you do not give birth to stillborn babies, Jesus. This child is baptized in your name. And they're born without breathing. Fill this child with the Holy Ghost. It's his birthright. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus will give you the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You will become the temple of the Holy God. You will be the most holy place. Praise Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And you see, this is according to prophecies that went before us. In the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 36 and verses 26 and 27. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 and 27. God prophesied. He said, a new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. 
Verse 27, and I will put my spirit within you. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. And cause you to walk in my statutes. Somebody please listen. If you're struggling and saying, you know, it's difficult to be a Christian. God is saying he will cause you. Ah. He will help you to walk. He will give you a desire. Uh, he said, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. You know, sometimes when I am doing the work of God and I'm, I feel, oh, I'm, I think I'm doing okay. I'm praying. I'm Jesus reminds me, uh, my son, don't become too confident because it is him who is giving me the will to do his will. He is causing me to walk in his statutes. <laughs> Praise God. You know, when you are obeying the commands of God, doing what he wants you to do, say, thank you, Jesus. You have caused, you've put your spirit in me. You are, you've caused me to walk in your statutes. This is not of my own uh, strong will. You know, I don't know. Sometimes we talk about our own personalities. It's not important. When we come to Jesus, let's say, with God, all things are possible. Somebody says, you know, all your life you just say, well, with God, all things are possible. Amen. Do you know that the people God chose, they surprise everybody. The family of David really did not believe that this guy uh, is the one with talents. They, they never saw his talents. He's always outside. That's why they sent him to be with the sheep. Because there's no use of having this guy in the house. And he turns out to be the guy who kills the giant Goliath. He's the guy who saves Israel. With God, all things are possible. It doesn't matter what your family says about you. It doesn't matter what your colleagues say. It doesn't matter what anybody says. What matters is what God does to change you with his spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. So when we look at the next verses here, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16. The Bible says, and what agreement, what agreement had the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God had said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Praise God. Amen. Now listen carefully to this. The high priest used to bring the blood of animals into the Holy of Holies once a year. And he would apply it on the mercy seat where the glory of God dwelt. We know this. This pointed to the time when the Lord Jesus himself would bring his blood into the holy heavenly places and atone for our sins. It says in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19. In Hebrews 10 and verse 19. Having therefore brethren boldness. Somebody say boldness. To enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. You see, in the Old Testament, nobody would dare to go near the Holy of Holies. Forget the Holy of Holies. Nobody even tried to go beyond the altar. Because they knew to go into these holy places is death, certain death. Even the high priest was afraid. Once a year, he would make sure to follow the, the, uh, the rituals that were prescribed in the law of Moses meticulously. And only then would he dare to go in. And let me tell you, sometimes he could die. There was that danger. 
We know that the sons of Aaron, Nahab, Nadab, and Abihu died in the temple because actually they came drunk. We can't do that in the house of God. But you see, so this place, the, the Holy of Holies, became a place that was associated with fear, with the real dread. But something happened when Jesus rose up from the dead. Jesus tore the veil into two. Why? Because now, Jesus is telling us, follow me, hallelujah. Listen to what I'm saying now, this is beautiful. Jesus has his blood with him. And he tells everybody who believes that he is God and he atoned for our sins. He's our high priest. Now, the high priest will not go alone every time into the Holy of Holies. Somebody shout hallelujah. He tells all of us, come with me, follow me. Don't be afraid of the most holy place. Don't be afraid of the Ark of the Covenant. Don't be afraid, hallelujah, of that place. Because I am taking my blood to that place. Where the glory of God in the Holy of Holies meets the blood of God. We have boldness. Say boldness. I am not going straight to meet the holiness of God. I'm too afraid of it. But I'm following my high priest Jesus. Who is taking his blood. Amen. I'm holding on to him. Praise God. <laughs> he, he is the one I'm, I'm, I'm following. He is my boldness. So Jesus takes us right into the Holy of Holies. And then he puts his blood on the Shekinah glory presence of God. And Jesus says, now you don't need to be afraid. Come boldly, hallelujah. Because yes, God is holy. But he will deal with us through the blood of Jesus. Through the mercy of the blood of Jesus. That's why when somebody tells me, but if I have the Holy Ghost in me, if I sin, God will kill me, destroy me. He has not destroyed us because Jesus keeps putting his blood upon us. His blood upon us. And that's why where the blood and the glory of God come together, the Shekinah, we will not die. We will live. That's why we come to Jesus and say, forgive me of my sins. And he says, you can still be in the holy place, in the holy of holies. Nobody will kill you because the blood, Jesus is putting his blood continuously, continuously upon that place which has the glory of God. Amen. The holiness of God. You see, Jacob was afraid, shaking because there is no blood at that time. But we have the blood. The blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, what a beautiful picture of holiness. So we can still be holy. Even though you may tell me, but brother Paul, I'm struggling with some sin. Maybe God doesn't like me. Do you still feel the holiness of God? And you say, yes, strangely. Although I'm struggling with sin, I want to speak in tongues. I'm jumping. What's going on? The blood. The blood is being applied. Constantly. Constantly. That's why God is not killing us. Because normally God would kill us. But because Jesus tore the veil. Went in with his blood. Poured it for all of us. And said now. Not once a year. But every day. 24-7. Every minute. Every second. Even the greatest sinner can come into the Holy of Holies because his blood is being applied. So when a sinner like you and me come before the presence of God, Jesus immediately puts his blood on the mercy seat and he says, come, come into the holy place, most holy place. That's why Paul said, therefore, we have boldness. Say boldness to enter 
into the holy of holies, into the holiest place. Who can enter boldly into the holiest? Why? With the blood of Jesus. Ah, hallelujah. The holy of holies today is where the blood of Jesus meets the spirit of Jesus. There we will be safe. We will be blessed. We will become holy. Now, the scripture in 1 John 5, 8 makes more sense to me. It says, there are three that bear witness in earth, the spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree in one. Do you see all of these three coming together in the tabernacle? Amen. What happens in the tabernacle? First, you go to the altar, there is blood, repentance. Then you go to the wash basin or the laver. What happens? Baptism in Jesus' name. You don't just go into the Holy of Holies. What happens after that? The blood follows you. The blood of Jesus. It goes before you. Amen. And in the Holy of Holies, Jesus fills us with his Holy Ghost. We become the holy uh, place of God. The holy place of God. The holiest place of God. And at the same time, his blood is there. So we will not be killed. We will not be destroyed. Boldness. There is no excuse to fear God in such a way that we say, I will not talk with him. He is too dangerous. Moses, you talk with him. Ah, we can't even stand to hear his voice. No. We have boldness. Say with me, boldness. Boldness. Amen. The holiness of God will never keep us away from God. There is no excuse. Somebody tells me, Brother Paul, holiness is not for me. I, I'm a sinner, you know. Um, don't use that excuse. Come, the blood of Jesus, your high priest Jesus will go before you. He will make sure you will not be killed or repelled or rejected from the most holy place. Amen. And now let's come to the last part of this Bible study. The first part was the holy encounter. Yeah, We need to first encounter God. Otherwise, we don't know and we'll never know what holiness is. I can teach you all day long, but you can't understand it unless you experience the Holy God. Because only Jesus is holy. All holiness has its origin, its source in God. Don't let any human fool you to think they have some sort of holiness on their own. All they have is they have, they have a deposit, a portion of the holiness of God. But you can't get it from them. A human being cannot make you holy. Stop following human beings. Follow Jesus. The second part of the Bible studies, the tabernacle and the Holy of Holies. We need to understand through the tabernacle how holiness worked. The epicenter, the ground zero of holiness is the most holy place. Nobody could come in there. It was a place which did inspire some fear with good reason. But I showed you that Jesus, our high priest, took his blood into the Holy of Holies. He tore the veil. He sprinkled his blood for his people. He's our high priest. Say, he's my high priest. I don't need to fear going into the Holy of Holies now. In fact, you and I have become the holy place of God now. And now the last part is, the holiness of God did not just stop in the Holy of Holies. The third part, I gave it the subtitle, from the Holy of Holies to the outer coat. Say with me. From the Holy of Holies to the outer coat. See, the holiness of God is not just uh, constrained to the most holy place. The entire temple was holy. From there, it must begin 
to flow into other parts of the temple. And I, I'm talking about the outer court because now I'm talking about the outer, the physical. So far, I've been talking about the inner man. You know, holiness begins on the inside. If you don't feel holiness on the inside, you can't practice holiness on the outside. You can't. Amen. You know, when a person feels proud, arrogant on the inside, then you begin to see it on the outside. Am I right? Yeah. If a person, whatever is on the inside will come outside. If a person feels horrible, they want to kill themselves, they hate themselves. What do you see on the outside sometimes? That they will be cutting themselves. Yeah. What is on the inside always has a tendency to manifest itself on the outside. So if you have holiness on the inside, it has a tendency to come outside. Amen. By how you dress, how you talk, what you see, what you read, what you put on. Amen. Does it make sense? Can we say amen? Hallelujah. This is holiness. Holiness is not constrained. It is not limited to the inside. How, how did you manage it? If we say, God knows I feel holy on the inside. Uh, I know God knows, but God is also expecting the outside to be holy. Jesus told the Pharisees, first make the inside of the cup clean. Then the outside will be clean in Jesus' name. Ah, oh, hallelujah. May the inside be clean. May we feel holiness on the inside and it will be easily manifested on the outside. Amen. You know, when a person wears very colorful clothes, what do you say? Oh, he has a very colorful personality. Because he's colorful on the inside, the outside is colorful. I'm not judging such people. I'm just saying what is inside comes outside. Praise God. So let's now see how this works. Using the same, uh, you know, analogy, if you will, of the, the tabernacle model. So holiness began in the Holy of Holies, but this emanated throughout the tabernacle all the way to the outer coat. And we say outer coat. I love that word, outer coat. That is the flesh. That is the outside. Because that is where the temple parameters would go. So in the same manner, the holiness of the spirit of Jesus will affect our outer appearance and our mannerisms, how you behave. Amen. You can tell when somebody's talking whether they are holy or not holy. You know, when somebody's always telling me, oh, excuse my French. Uh, firstly, I think that's an offense to all French-speaking people and French people because English speakers, when they curse and they use dirty language, they make fun of the French. They say, oh, excuse my French. They're not speaking French, we know. But it's like, mm, it's, it's, you know, anything bad is French. As in, a guy who said even to be French is wrong, imagine. God have mercy. But the point is this. You see, once a person speaks, we can tell whether there is holiness on the inside or not. Jesus said, all defilements come from the inside. Amen. It's not from outside. It's from inside. So I want to use this beautiful picture from 
the futuristic temple of Ezekiel. You remember the temple of Ezekiel in Ezekiel 47? Uh, the Jewish rabbi says this temple has never been built. It's a futuristic temple. You know what God said in Ezekiel 47 verse 9? Ezekiel 47 verse 9. He said, it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, whithersoever the river shall come, shall live. And there shall be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come thither, for they shall be healed. And everything shall live whither the river cometh. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, it's the same picture with holiness. Holiness begins with the most holy place, which was the innermost sanctuary of the tabernacle. But today it is us, the inner, inner person, inner man, inner woman. That is where the ground zero, the epicenter of holiness is. From there, the river begins to flow outside. And just like the waters that came out from the temple of Ezekiel healed everything they touched. Hallelujah. In the same way, this holiness from the inside will radiate outside and heal the outside. It will heal the outer coat. It will heal your appearance. It will heal Amen. That which needs to be healed. <laughs> Praise God. Today, I don't want to be um, legalistic. Legalistic means do this, don't do this, don't do that, remove this. Your skirt should be so many centimeters under your knees. Your, uh, you should wear long sleeves, so many centimeters below the elbow, below the this. I'm not in the business of centimeters. Amen. We do not believe in the holiness of centimeters. What we believe in, praise God, hallelujah, is the river must flow. The holiness that is inside of Jesus, let it flow. Wherever it goes, it will come and touch the makeup. Somebody say, hallelujah. Spirit of Jesus, come from the inside and touch my makeup. Amen. Let it disappear in Jesus' name. Let it touch my jewelry in Jesus' name. I told you the story of a sister in India many years ago. They, she, she, a demon was cast out of her. And then they prayed for her to receive the Holy Ghost. And she was filled with jewelry. Bishop Solomon told her to remove this jewelry. She said, no. You know what happened? When the Holy Ghost fell on her, it broke every piece of jewelry on her body. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. There were witnesses. There was a brother who told me the marks are still upon his wall. The spirit of Jesus took all these bangles, 24 karat gold, whatever, broke it apart and it went flying through the air. Can you believe that thing that happened in India? It hit the wall. Her name was Sister Martha. She's in Canada. She can tell you the story. Holiness is serious. When the spirit of Jesus came, it came with such power that it swept all the jewelry away. For three days, I believe it was, she could not speak her own uh, mother tongue, Hindi. So whenever she opened her mouth, she's speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. When she began to finally speak her language, she kept speaking so she would not forget it. She, she thought she may not recover her mother tongue. These are not exaggerations. You can ask Bishop Solomon. 
God is holy. He said, be holy. Let the spirit flow to the outer coat. Let it change what needs to be changed. Let the spirit of Jesus remove what needs to be removed. But I can tell you very simply, if you're asking me directly, you know I'm a very plain spoken, straightforward, transparent guy. Let me tell you, we don't believe in wearing jewelry. I ask you, what's the purpose? You say, I want to look beautiful for my husband. Well, look beautiful for your husband at home. God have mercy, forgive me. First, uh, why do you want to go outside and attract the world with your, sorry, Jezebel put makeup and all kinds of things to try to seduce Jehu when he was coming to kill him. We don't want to use things that Jezebel used. The word cosmetics, may I remind you, comes from the word cosmos. And cosmetics basically means to put the world on your face. Why do you want to put the world on your face? So jewelry, cosmetics, diamond rings, this. Diamonds are a woman's best friend, girl's best friend. Says who? I think the devil came with that quote. It's not in the Bible. So. The point is this, that's why I, I prefer to call it blood diamonds. You know how many people have been killed for diamonds in Congo? They, even Hollywood has made films about blood diamonds. There's poverty in Africa. They have diamonds and jewelry, but they, it's cursed. And somebody wants to put them on and show the world how beautiful they are while poor people are being killed. They're buying guns for diamonds and killing each other. While people in Europe and the West want to look beautiful. How? Come on, get a conscience in Jesus' name. So we don't want to put the world upon our face. We want the world to see Jesus on our face. Amen. When the world will say, why are you people different? And we can tell them about Jesus. But if they see that we look like the world, they'll say, oh, wow. You have the same tattoo as I have, a snake head. A dragon head. Shall we talk about a dragon? Shall we talk about a snake? No. The Bible, in fact, says we should not make any cuttings in our body. May I remind you, Christians who think it's okay to put make tattoos because every footballer now has got a tattoo and it's cool, it's in, it's the fashion. The fashion of this world passes away, brothers and sisters. The heavens and the earth will pass away. I want the fashion which lasts forever. The most timeless of fashions is the Jesus fashion. The Holy Ghost fashion. Amen. So if I can't convince you with preaching and I mostly will not be able. I've managed to offend people sometimes when I preach about holiness. Uh, they get mad and get angry at me. So I've learned, look, it's better. I focus on the Holy Ghost. Let the Holy Ghost come into you and let the Spirit of God guide you. But I'm sure if you are listening to the Spirit of Jesus, it will begin to flow. It will tell you, remove the makeup. You don't need it. We are nothing. Why should we elevate ourselves? To meet God is to understand how great he is. It's to fall down on the ground. Is to prostrate ourselves as Peter and James and John did, as Jacob did, as Moses did. How can you put on things to glorify yourself and look like a Jezebel 
God, God have mercy. When holiness is, you see God high and lifted up and you are aware of your nothingness. I want to remove all my earrings. I'm on the way to Jacob. Or I'm on the way to Bethel. You remember that? You remember that? What happened when Jacob got serious with God? Let me take you to Genesis chapter 35 and verse 4. Genesis 35 and verse 4. The Bible says, And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. Amen. Listen, when a person gets serious with God and wants to go to Bethel, why did he say remove all the strange gods? That one, of course. But why the earrings? Because it was at Bethel Jacob realized he's nothing. We can't come to God with the jewelry, with the, the trappings of this world's uh, you know, what do you call it? Uh, pleasures and leisures and uh, God, that's not holiness. Nobody needs to tell you, remove this. We should do it voluntarily. Then God will accept us. Hallelujah. So remove all these things when you come to the house of God. If you really want to be, you know, yesterday in our prayer meeting, I was telling our church members, I begged them, I said, listen, brothers and sisters, one of these days, you will, we will all die. Yeah? Uh, anybody want to argue about that? I, I don't think so. Uh, even the greatest philosophers will not argue about that, or scientists or anybody. We will all die. Can we say amen? Say amen. Hallelujah. So, since we're all going to die, we're going to meet Jesus. Amen? <laughs> You're not going to meet Necessarily, you don't say, I'm looking forward to leave this world. I've heard people say, because I'm going to meet my great-grandmother, my grandmother, my, excuse me. Is that what you are going to, you're looking forward to when you die? When we leave this world, we will leave everybody and everything. There's one person we're going to meet. His name is Jesus. It is him we will spend eternity with. Some people are too busy with family and friends. And listen, I am preparing to meet Jesus. I must live in such a way and do everything in such a way that the one person I will be with forever and ever and ever is Jesus. So everything we do now, I was saying, can we do it with this goal in mind? Amen. Don't bother yourself too much with other people. Pray for them, help them, but prepare yourself for the one person. Say one person. Forget that great-grandmother or great-grand-uncle. May they go to heaven, amen, but they will not be your great-grandmother, great-grand-uncle or whatever in heaven. We will not know them as such. Everybody will be as angels serving Jesus. Am I speaking the truth or is this another, amen, another gospel you never heard before? Listen, we are going to meet one person. In the book of 1 John 3, verse 2, if, if the Hymenot could put up that scripture, what does John tell us? He says, every man that had this hope in him and every woman will purify himself. Why? What is my hope? I'm going to see Jesus. 
I must purify myself, make myself holy, prepare to meet Jesus. Praise God. Are you with me? So don't be distracted. All you need to focus on is loving Jesus. I asked him the question. Do you love Jesus? First John 3, 3, thank you, says, Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he's pure. Why? Jesus is coming. So, listen. The greatest of all commands is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We all say amen, but listen. Can you say amen to the second part of the first command? Which says, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy mind, all thy soul. Do we really love Jesus? With all our hearts, minds, and soul. May I remind you the church of Ephesus was full of good works. John the, John the apostle was himself the bishop, the apostle of love. But let me tell you, although he was the apostle of love, he was not able to somehow make his church love Jesus. What happened? They were busy with good works. They were taking care of widows. They were witnessing. They were doing all kinds of works for Jesus. But somewhere along the way, they did not, they stopped loving Jesus. Jesus told them, I will remove your candle out of his place. Jesus will not allow a Christian to serve him by bringing thousands of souls, uh, doing good works, all in the name of Jesus, and you don't have love for him. Jesus is not willing to accept such a church, such a service. He wants us to love him. To love him means to encounter him. So later, we were speaking up to 11 o'clock. Some were asking me, how can I love Jesus more? I said, you have to spend time alone with Jesus. You have to come close to him. I was saying to the church yesterday, listen to these talks. You may or may not agree, but why could it be that because John the Baptist did not really know Jesus, he lived a holy life, but he lived separately in the desert. He didn't really follow Jesus. That's why maybe when he was in prison, he was in doubt. He sent disciples, asked Jesus, are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? I'm sure his disciples were themselves surprised. What? We, we have been with him. He is the Messiah. We love him. You see, there is no excuse at the end. We all must follow Jesus. You must study Jesus. You must read the Bible. You must spend time alone because I guarantee you, the more you do that and talk to him and be with him and observe him and talk with him, you will fall in love with him more and more every day. Hallelujah. Do you love Jesus? Jesus will not accept us if we don't love him. He gave us this command. Who can give you a command to love him? Only Jesus can because he's lovable. Amen. If you know why he's commanding us, because once you come close to him, once you, you know, I've seen people spend time studying elephants their whole lives or a little beaten and they love them. And they don't want to study the God who made these creatures. That's the sin of humanity. You spend a whole lifetime studying the creatures of God and you don't spend time trying to get to know the creator of these creatures. And when you spend time with him, I guarantee you, you will love him. 
you will fall head over heels in love with him. That's Jesus. Amen. His love is irresistible. Um, I speak from experience. Amen. Let me tell you, we must be holy, but at the same time, we must love him. Don't try to cheat yourself or myself that I read the Bible, I pray every day. No, I'm asking a question. Do you love Jesus? John the Baptist was holy. He pointed everybody to Jesus. But did he spend time with Jesus? I don't think so. Could that be the reason why he really didn't know Jesus? But by the spirit, he knew him. He had a revelation. It, it's just my thoughts. I'm not saying this is the answer. But let me tell you, there is no substitute to following Jesus one-on-one. -on -one. Amen. Everyone must have an intimate relationship with Jesus. We have to fall in love with him again. You don't have to push yourself, compel yourself. It happens naturally. Amen. It happens naturally when you spend time with Jesus. But please, I wish we had a machine called a love Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus love meter Amen. And we check every day on what level is our love for Jesus. But we don't have such a machine. But I'll tell you what, when you love someone, you can't stop speaking about them. You can't stop thinking about them. Whether you open your eyes or close your eyes, you see them. You are thinking of them. You talk about them. You want to be with them. That's when you know you love Jesus. I don't think about Jesus only on Sunday. Amen. I'm going to spend eternity with him. If there's one relation every day, you should stop everything to make sure that relationship is correct. It's healthy and robust. It's our love for Jesus. Because love and holiness go together. Say with me, love and holiness go together. God is love and God is holy. Amen. You get all these things together when you come to be with Jesus. Praise God. Let me come to the conclusion of the third part I was speaking about. From the Holy of Holies to the outer courtyard. You see, why do you think God was concerned with the, with the nakedness of the high priest? You remember what God said in Exodus chapter 20 verse 26? Let's turn to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 26. God told the high priest, Neither shall thou go up by steps unto mine altar, that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. Somebody may say, mm, this is weird. Why is God talking about nakedness? Because see, holiness always has something to do with the outer clothing. In Nepal, I was teaching, the pastor was saying the church, repentance has a lot to do with the outward appearance because it's connected to holiness. The moment Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? They discovered they're naked. You see, the two automatically go together. And then they tried to cover their nakedness. And God said, no, he has to cover our nakedness. So in the same way, there is something, there is a symbiotic relationship between holiness and the outward. How do you know somebody's holy? A holy person will not go around showing their nakedness. 
I'm sorry to tell you this, but if you think it's okay to go around with a bikini and everybody can see you, or a man in just some underwears walking around, I, I don't know how that is holiness. I don't know. Call me narrow-minded, call me whatever you want, but that's not the spirit of God. Holiness is about making sure that you do not tempt other people to think sin. Can you at least agree with me? You know, there are some people who are talking to them. I actually found that they think it's strange that if they go around with a, a bra, brazier and a underwear, why would men look at me and uh, think bad things? Why? You know, and I look at the lady and I want to tell her, which planet are you from? But, excuse me, that's just me maybe. Come on. If you dress however you want, you will get some person to be tempted. What did Jesus say? Even if a man will lust after a woman, a lust in his heart, in his heart, that person has committed adultery. I only want to say one thing. If a person wants to think adultery, that's up to them. But I should not be the reason that they begin, you know, their, their fantasies begin to run wild. I should not be the reason. If you agree with me, say amen. I have a responsibility. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, I am my brother's keeper. I don't want somebody to sin because of me. Because of the way I dress. Because of the words I speak. Because of how I live. I want people to be attracted to Jesus. I want them to be good Christians. Men. So I will be on my best behavior. Because I want you to be attracted to Jesus. And Jesus will say thank you for bringing this person to me. Thank you for inspiring them to holiness. Amen. I beg you, please say amen. Otherwise, what kind of, will you witness to somebody? And then, God forbid, you don't know this person. This is another church many, many, many years ago. I know one person, a sister, would go knocking on doors alone. And then one day goes up to the house of a man and ends up witnessing to this lost person and ends up almost sleeping with him. That's not what God called us for. By the way, don't, a sister, don't go alone into people's houses. I don't allow, and I'm saying it, any sister to come to be alone with me in the house for no reason. No. Come back when my wife is here. Or let's meet in the public place. Let this be a golden rule. Then nobody will ever hear sin or falling into uh, carnal temptations. Holiness will protect us. Holiness will give us honor. Let people say bad things about us. They did it about Jesus. But when the witnesses came, they couldn't find one sin to accuse Jesus of. Let it be that. So, holiness is not something legalistic. It's not about being a hypocrite. It's understanding that God is holy. And if I love Jesus, I will fight to be holy. And I will do my best to help people to come close to Jesus. Not to put stumbling blocks in their way. May I remind you, one of the greatest temptations today 
is pornography. We live in a world where because of screens, because of loneliness, because of privacy in the old days, everybody lived in one room. Nobody had privacy. There were no screens. So, but today things have changed. People are alone in their privacy. These screens have destroyed many people, are sending many people to hell. And they are being blasted with unholiness. Let me tell you what happens when a person will see these kinds of things, will take substances that destroy the temple of God, uh, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, even cigarettes. All these things affect holiness, whether it's makeup, whether it's jewelry, whether all these things. Let me tell you what will happen. The spirit of Jesus will be grieved, grieved. He will be sad. And you will feel the sadness of Jesus. And he will keep being grieved and he will moan. He will complain to you. You will, when you try to pray, you don't feel, you feel only guilt. Guilt. But you love Jesus, then you cry. Forgive me, Jesus. Don't leave me, Jesus. And then what happens? One day, finally, you don't feel the presence of God. You want to pray and you say, I, am I even a Christian? I feel dead. You know why you feel dead? Because you are not living in holiness. Love what the spirit of Jesus loves. Avoid what the spirit of Jesus avoids. Don't watch films of Hollywood where there is only cursing and nakedness and every command of God is being broken. Change the channel. Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes. We need to make a covenant with our eyes. I challenge you, if you are having problems with what you are watching and you can't pray, just stop all of that. Fight with it through the spirit of Jesus. And you'll see that suddenly your prayer life will become stronger. You'll wonder why when I pray now, I'm speaking in tongues, I'm on fire. You know why? Because the glory of God, God is happy now. God is holy. He's offended by wicked things. Will you weaken God? Sorry to use such a term. But you know that we, the Apostle Paul told Timothy, fan the flame of the Holy Ghost in you. But how can you do? Because, you know, if you are living in sin and beholding sin and being with sinners and you also love bad company and bad people, what do you think is going to happen to the fire of God in you? It will begin to become less and less. And don't be surprised one day, the glory is gone. You'll shake yourself. There is no God with you. God have mercy. Let's fight for holiness, brothers and sisters. Will you allow something like clothes and jewelry to stop you from the kingdom of God? To meet Jesus? These things are not important. If we tell a sister, why don't you? Wear clothes which are modest. Why? It's not me saying it. It's the Apostle Peter and Paul telling you that. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 to 5. Listen to what Peter is saying. Do you believe Peter had the keys to the kingdom of heaven? May I remind you, Peter had the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Amen? So, 
He, Jesus did not give him just one key. You know, I heard a preacher preaching that Peter had only one key. No, no. Look at Matthew 16, 19. Jesus said, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. Somebody say hallelujah. Many keys. Peter had many keys. One of the keys is about holiness. Amen. If you are not holy, you cannot enter. The Bible says if you are not holy, you cannot see God. So Peter is telling us. Who is adorning? Let it not be. Please listen. Let it not be. It means I forbid you, Peter saying. The man with the keys. Let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair, of wearing of gold, or of putting on of apparel. He's commanding you don't put on gold. He's commanding you don't put on flashy clothes. But verse 4, let it be the hidden man of the heart. Hidden man, hidden. In that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the, the old time, the holy women also. Huh? Somebody say holy women. Holy women. Do you want to be holy? Then follow holy women. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also trusting in God. Adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. Amen. If God gave you grace, say amen to the scripture. Listen. We don't want to put a stumbling block in other people's path. Amen. We must remove all that. It's not worth it. It's not only you have to go to heaven. Others have to go to heaven. Somebody may become polluted in their minds because of the way you dress. If you're going around with very tight pants or leotards or, you know, all these, they have militant names, by the way, all the uh, tank tops, tank tops. It's like a soldier, you know, it's like uh, militant feminism. Sorry to put it. But we need to understand that God is not in the business that of, of influencers. Some of these influencers are now ending up uh, committing suicide. Uh, they're leading people astray. And Jesus said, woe unto you. You want to live long? You want to be blessed? Lead people into holiness and righteousness. Don't influence people in a bad way. It will not end well. Influence them for holy things. Stand on the holy things. Fight for the holy things. Amen. And God will, will see and he will bless you. You know what happened with Eli? He did not fight with his children. So God killed him with his children. But had Eli fought with his children, if necessary, kicked them out of the temple, he would live. And they would live because their father would fight them in Jesus' name. May we fight for holiness and righteousness. Because we love people, we do it. They should see we take holiness seriously. Amen. So let me bring this under conclusion. You know, this is a big topic. And it's not easy. In Nepal, the pastor asked me, can you please teach about holiness in my church openly? Uh, I told him it's not wise because they, they'll get shocked. They are baptized in Jesus' name. They speak in tongues. But here a little, there a little. They have to let the Spirit of God lead them. With wisdom, you teach them. So because of such uh, churches, I'm putting this message on the website so that the pastor can study it and share it with his people. I see they're downloading the messages in Nepal. They are learning and they are taking it further with them because this is uh, what the Apostle Paul com uh, commanded uh, Timothy and Titus. He said that all these things that he taught them 
they should commit it unto faithful people, amen, who will also teach these things, will take these things and teach it to other people, amen. So this is what we are trying to do because there are people coming in there and uh, uh, look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, 2 Timothy 2, verse 2 says, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So please understand what we are doing with this Bible study. Systematically, we started from one God, and now we are talking about holiness. And I pray to God, we will have a whole set of teachings, 10 or 15 or more, that any pastor anywhere in the world can follow and teach their people one by one, the whole counsel of God. Amen. In Jesus' name. Let's pray for that in Jesus' name. So, you see, let me put all these things together by saying the ultimate aim is to live in the Holy of Holies, yeah, in the Old Testament. That was the greatest privilege. The high priest was famous, you know why? Because he was the only person who could go into the Holy of Holies. But in order to go into the Holy of Holies, a high priest had to pass through the altar, which represents repentance, has to pass through the wash basin or lava, which represents baptism in Jesus' name, before entering the very presence of God. So put differently, the flesh and its accessories must die on the way. By accessories, I mean anything that magnifies or glorifies the flesh. Like I said, jewelry is one example. That's why Jacob commanded his family to remove the jewelry before they went to the house of God. And I mentioned some other things. I don't need to mention all of them. Smoking, drugs, alcohol, all these things have no place in the temple of God. Pornography, uh, speaking evil, even thinking evil, all these things defile a man. They come from the inside, the Bible says. We love the presence of God. I don't want Jesus to leave me. I don't want to be Ichabod. I want Emmanuel, God with me, God with us. For that, I must obey the apostle who said that we should mortify, say with me, mortify the deeds of the flesh through the spirit. Kill the deeds of the flesh in Jesus' name, through fasting, through prayer. Fight and kill it in Jesus' name. So God will help us to even love bad company is a danger to holiness. Why will you love bad people? Pray for them. We love them, but we don't love the bad habits. If you are comfortable to be with them, how can God love you? Is that not the problem Elijah had with King Ahab? So with Jehoshaphat? He told Jehoshaphat, you're a good man, a holy man, but why do you love to be with Ahab? Come on. Something is wrong when a good man or a good woman is always with bad people, laughing with them, enjoying their company, and they're not talking about Jesus. So I'm challenging. That's my, my, my duty as a minister of God. Hallelujah. But again, God has not called us to be legalistic, as were the Pharisees, but a people who live and are led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Apostle Paul makes it clear. We have not received the spirit of fear. Holiness is not accomplished through fear because the spirit of Jesus is the spirit of love. Amen. Let's read Romans chapter 8, verses 13 to 15. We are going to close soon. 
Romans 8, verse 13 to 15. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you live through the spirit, but if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the flesh, of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, praise God. We are not called to be hypocrites, brothers and sisters. Are you struggling with some sin? Take it to the Lord in prayer. Confess it. Wrestle with it until the Lord gives you victory. And he will. Holiness is not oppressive, but liberating and beautiful. Did you know that repeatedly David and the other psalmists exalted the people of God to worship him in the beauty of holiness? Let's look at some scriptures. First Chronicles 6 verse 16 verse 29. First Chronicles 16 verse 29. And then let me myself put up some of these scriptures uh, in the text to save some time. But uh, just look at some of these scriptures that I'm putting up, three of them. Nearly all of them are from King David. First Chronicles 16, 29. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering. Come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Somebody say holiness is beautiful. It's beautiful. It's not oppressive. It's not something we need to run away from. Psalm 29 verse 2. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Psalm 96 verse 9. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Can we say beauty of holiness? In conclusion, I want to say to you. May we have the holy encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. May we become the holy of holies in whom he dwells. And may his spirit flow outward and conquer Bless and liberate our outer man or woman in Jesus' name.